Sorry, we're running a little late today. We're blaming everything on Microsoft today, by the way. Yep. So the global 365 <laughs> outage yesterday. So we're just blaming everything on Microsoft. So it was today. How's everybody well doing today? Um, lunchtime, I think. What's that? I think the outage for us was rolling up until about lunchtime today. It's still, still going on today. I was for wondering, my, my inbox has been super quiet, so I, I'm not going <laughs> to, I'm happy about that. So it'll blow up later. So no, well, if your well, inbox is quiet, that means there's no problems. Exactly. I can ignore <laughs> yeah. them for a few more hours. So if you're joining us over on LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook, say hello in the comments. Tell us where you're tuning in from. Always like to see where people tune in from and what time of day it is. It is 11.14 a.m. here. I think it's, what, 4.14 for you guys in the afternoon. Sure. Yeah, yeah, correct. Over in, uh, over in the U.K. I, I was talking before the show. Richard, you missed it. We, I got, I'm getting all four seasons of weather today. So it was 29 degrees overnight. So we got some ice. It was snowing when I got up. It is now raining, and it's going to be 59 degrees this afternoon. So <laughs> all four seasons in one day. But there's no global warming. I, I don't know. It's not no, global warming. No. All right. So we've got a couple in here. I've got uh, Stefano uh, Joseph. He says, I own and build a data center from scratch and provide wireless internet services and phone services. So I don't know whether there's a question in there, Stefano, but this is all about Ask Us Anything. This is a AMA show. So Mark Barton is joining us from Georgia got georgia on the mind this morning hello mark i read that as not um, mark's hello from google because that's the only platform that's working right now <laughs> <laughs> john harrison's tuning in he said he's just around the corner from you richard hey john good to see you we've got to catch so, up for a bit sometime soon it's been ages since i've seen you awesome daniel's north of london so our uk contingent is held up well like I said, we're probably still half asleep this morning. All of our IT providers are still trying to figure out how many tickets they actually have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So two weeks in a row, Microsoft screwed the MSP industry. So yay. And <laughs> everybody gets a price increase to boot. So yay, Microsoft. Yay. Microsoft. But on the other hand, you can use chat GPT to write the email about the price increase. We're going to talk okay. about that. We're going to talk oh, yeah. about Chad GPT. I think that that's one of the things that's a hot topic across all industries as well. Uh, let's see here. Some LinkedIn users see who that is. Um, says I'm about to. I'm about to. I'm about to get lost in all the best advice I can get. So ah. yeah, we'll 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 see. You might get lost. I don't know about the advice part. We'll see. So <laughs> Kevin Lancaster, heavy hitter from the state of Maryland. Thank you, Kevin, for joining us from Channel Program. John McDonald from Birmingham. I'm assuming it's, it's not Birmingham, Andrew. It's Birmingham. Birmingham. See, there is <laughs> Birmingham. See, that's where exactly we need to designate that. It's like I need to pronounce things correctly. So there is. It's Birmingham. If if you're it's Alabama, uh, Alabama, but Birmingham, uh, where I'm from. John said he does it. Well, they don't do global warming in Newcastle, so we don't do warming yeah. at all in Newcastle. Yeah, or so <laughs> coats. Nothing. Yeah, yeah, or, or uh, coats. Yeah, that's a different story. Good stuff. If you have questions for us, if you want to, if you wouldn't mind putting the letter Q colon and then your question, that way it helps me as the meat-headed moderator uh, to be able to find those, tag those, and make sure we get your question answered. Uh, is Will from Consumer Tech Fife, Scotland. So we're all over. So this is awesome. So again, this is an ask us anything. Well, except for the private stuff. We'll keep the private stuff out of there. But anyway, so if anybody's got a question to kick us off, I've got kind of a few common questions. Uh, but if you do have a question here, you're joining us live, put a letter Q colon and your question, and we can make sure that we get those up on the screen. Everybody's up in lights today. LinkedIn comments are working. We're happy about that. Microsoft has one thing working today. LinkedIn comments. So that that's good. <laughs> Nobody's anyway. from Microsoft on the call, I hope, today, because they are not going to be sponsoring this show anytime soon, given the uh, positive feedback we're giving them at the moment. Well, it's funny because I do. Ha it, it, I go look at analytics and I watch kind of what companies. Microsoft is a huge proponent watcher of the show, so uh, it, which is kind of funny. I, I 
find it interesting. Some of the big big guys watch what we do. So mm. in that in that vein, I wanted to thank uh, James Steele from Linode for giving us a shout out uh, oh, yeah, last yeah, week. Yeah. So I was happy about that. Right. James has been. Uh, a big fan of my do what is necessary live stream that we've been doing for a while. So he's now joined us over here as well. A uh, heavy proponent in the IT space. So we're happy to have the shout out. So thank you, James. We appreciate everything you do for the IT channel as well. So I w- wanted to make sure we get that out there. So let's start off. We do have a couple questions here and... We'll just start off with, I think this is Stefano. Yeah, so, so Stefano Joseph says, I'm about to lose my data center. What can I do to save it? Hmm. Wow. Put in a little more details a for us. Is it, is it financial? Is it your lease isn't renewed? Like, yeah. Has it sunk in the floods? What? What's? Please yeah, be more I, specific. Yeah. So anyway, there is a... Uh, uh, see here, somebody else. Let's see who that is. It must be somebody over on Richard's uh, LinkedIn. So we met with Carl Palachuk in Edinburgh. Uh, will yeah. there be another meetup? A really good question. So uh, to give some context, that that's Will, I think, isn't it, who's joining us from uh, LinkedIn. Cool. So Carl uh, Palachuk, a friend of the show, somebody everybody knows, absolute legend in the industry, and Carl uh, loves to travel. Uh, so Carl came across to uh, Scotland in uh, August of last year, and uh, been a, he's, he's one of my great heroes, a great friend and a mentor. We met up and we went on a bit of a, a road uh, trip. We went to Edinburgh, we went to Glasgow, we went to um, Falkirk, we went to Manchester, and we met a ton of MSPs, and it was a heck of a good time. So if you want to see Carl in the UK again, just ping the man a tweet or ping him a, an email and say, Richard says you want to come to the UK, let's make that happen. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. That sounds like a heck of a road trip for sure. So it was a good one. Uh, let's see here. So I believe that, yeah, that is Stefano says hey, further up question, not enough revenue and his lease. So it's kind of both. So what would uh, you I guess guys- it depends on the services you're offering as, as an off, um, you know, do you have a data center? Do you have a rack? Do you have a part of a rack? Um, what kind of services are you offering and could you find that cheaper somewhere else or could you outsource some parts so you're only paying for what you use? Yeah, there's quite a few few additional questions that spring to mind. Yeah, and if you're, I mean, if you're running Rackspace, which is what what we did, that was a whole segment of my MSP business, another revenue generator for us. Um, our data center was right in the middle of the floor we were on, 6,000 square, 6, square foot data center right in the middle. So we leased out a row and that's, we subleased everything out from there. So, um, yeah, so I would say like if, if I was in that situation and I owned what was in the rack, yeah, you definitely communication is, is we talked about that on last week's show. You want to get ahead of that conversation. Uh, don't wait until somebody shuts the lights off, um, or throws a switch before you approach your customers. I would get your customers involved and let them know, you know, what is going on, especially if it's lease. That's that's could be things outside of your your realm. If your lease is going up or they're not renewing your lease on your data center. I mean, there's just so many variables with that. But I definitely I definitely would get your customers involved as as quickly as possible. Um, I mean, that sounds like it could be a whole show in and of itself. Stefano, if, you know, I wanted to know. If you are, if you wanted to jump on the show, we can put you on the show as well. Uh, if you were game for that, whether you want to do video or not, um, yeah, he says he rents the whole building. Um, yeah. yeah, so I think that's <clears throat> that's the challenge, isn't it? Data center has been so hard, especially the last year or so, with the the price increases for power as well. It's it's a such a difficult space to be in. Um, I used to run four or five data centers for a previous organization and it was it was always hard we'd, we'd have empty racks just you know emptying out because people were either you know virtualizing or consolidating or moving you know to to 365 or azure stuff all of that was happening um you know and it was it was all about like how could we make it more attractive for people to take the co-location space how could we you know do something that was interesting for them um 
so we had, and you know, Stefan, you, you, you probably already have all these things, but like if you do network connectivity and wireless connectivity, um, can you get, um, you know, network connection to your client's office and then offload their servers from their building and into your racks? Is that a service that you do? Do you do hybrid services with part in the cloud, um, some virtualization stuff from you where you're providing maybe VMs or VPS services? but then also can tie to a dedicated rack that the client has. So they can have that blend of renting virtualization from you, but also having, you know, their dedicated SQL, you know, servers or with their, you know, their sensitive data and that kind of stuff. It's, you know, can you, can you offer those blends? And then, you know, we all know you've got the remote hand services, you've got backup services and tape management if they're still using tapes or offsite backup for digital backups. Um, but there's so much of that now that's it's hard, you know, and I guess my question would really be because of because of what's happening in the, the electricity space and the um, you know, just the cost and the lease, do you need to keep the data center? Is there something about having the data center and having the building that is, is crucial to the service that you provide? Or could you take some cabinets in, in another data center? Because then you can, you can still provide your services. You just don't have all the ground costs underneath, right? Like looking after the generators and the UPSs and all that kind of nonsense. So could you, could you move it and keep it as a data center service, but work with a, a data center partner who isn't going to charge you a fortune, but you could at least then still have all the other assurances around security and access and all that kind of stuff. Is that a possibility? Um, if it's not, is there is there another business that you can partner up with for this building that, that maybe they need to use some of the data center space, you know, and you could you could partner up on the data center space, um, or alternatively, could you rent out private suites by partitioning the data center space and and separate access? That those are all things that we've kind of you know thought about for how to how to segregate and, and how to make more revenue out of just sheer footprint of cabinet space that we've had kicking around in our data centers. Yeah. Stefano, it appears based upon your LinkedIn profile that you're in Boston. Give me a, a thumbs up whether or not that is correct or not. Uh, because I'll tell you, one of the other partners that we had here in the States was Expedient. I believe they do have uh, points of presence in Boston all throughout uh, the East Coast. Um, we partnered with them. They had three data centers in Columbus where I was at. And I know they have interconnects with all of their data centers throughout the East coast. So that might be somebody and they do have boots on the ground, people that can help too. So yeah, he did say he is in Boston. Um, Stefano ping me a, a direct message on LinkedIn. So you and I can follow up. I can get you in touch with some of the folks from expedient. Um, I don't know how big your staff is, but they might be able to, supplement you with some staff to be able to make that move. Um, I actually interviewed um, one of the top folks in the Columbus market on, on my show about a year and a half ago, because it kind of went through this. There was a data center that went belly up in, in the Pittsburgh area and just basically gave everybody 30 days and said, we're turning everything off in 30 days. Um, so yeah, definitely want to have those supplemental partners available but yeah, if you ping me, I can definitely, you know, do a little more legwork for you, get you introduced to the folks from Expedient. Um, yeah, they do some some massive stuff for uh, over here in the States. Um, but yeah, I think reasonably priced too. They were, again, they were kind of my supplemental data center. If I needed an interconnect that we didn't have, uh, we did some some hosting with them as well. So but yeah, it's, I think it's just kind of leans to the tough times that we're going to see as MSPs going forward this year, just with the uncertainties, uh, especially with office space. That's kind of where I'm seeing yeah. uh, a lot of commercial real estate here in the States is trying to make up for lost ground from the last couple of years. Uh, and unfortunately, the people who are staying have stayed in place are getting those nice price increases right now, which unfortunately are either pricing them out or having having them to do what uh, Stefano's having to do right now. So a couple of thoughts. I'd love to know how, um, oh, sorry, Richard, you go. Yeah. A couple of thoughts for Stefano. And I guess the first one is, and this goes for the entire audience, whether you're a data center, MSP, VAR or anything in between, you know, when times are tough uh, and, and we keep banging the drum about it. I'm sure you'll agree with me, Pete and Scott Andrew here, but 
you've got to manage by metrics. And what I mean by that is to actually look and see, right, where where is the revenue coming from? Is it profitable? Are the clients that we're working with profitable? Where's the lean areas? And so, Stefano, I would say to you, you know, it's all too easy. And I speak as a former MSP owner. We often know who our biggest client is in terms of revenue, but are they profitable? So I would uh, challenge you to have a look within your business and say, like, where it, which parts of your business are profitable, which parts are not so profitable, and which parts are actually losing you money, because that can be quite eye-opening. So that's the first thing. Once you've got that information to hand, and that goes for, for anybody to use a PSA tool or, or whatever tool you need to do to, to find out their profitability, is then second, you can make metrics-based decisions, decisions based on uh, measurements rather than this gut feeling we have. So if you're anything like me, Stefano, at the moment you're sitting there and you're like, I don't know where to turn, I don't know what the real problem is, I just know we're not making enough money. So first thing is to measure it. Second thing, you can then make decisions about the areas that are not earning you the money. So Andrew's offered you a really kind uh, introduction there. We actually mentioned James Steele of Linode, uh, who were purchased by Akamai for $950 million, I believe it was. Or was it $900 million? There's a few quid uh, there. <laughs> but um, you, it might be that, let's just say, some of your Linux-hosted services are running at a loss, you know, the cost of powering up the uh, the hardware and everything else is at a loss. You could have a conversation with somebody like Linode and the, or any one of the alternative cloud providers about doing that more cost effectively. Mate, could you get the machines from there, uh, from them? Could they be spun up for you at a more, you know, convenient, a more cost effective rate than you're paying at the moment to host it yourself? I don't know because only you know your, your business inside and out, but there are plenty of options out there. So, you know, fingers crossed, giving you all the best, but the very first thing I would do is um, measure where you're at and work out what's working and what isn't. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I sent him the link. He just messaged me, so we'll see if he jumps on the on the call with us. Maybe we can get a little more details and help help him work through that as well. Another big hitter on the show this week, Jason Slagle coming to us. Sweet. Jason is a fantastic resource over here in the states uh, when it comes to cybersecurity. So we're we're definitely uh, honored to have your presence, Jason. Uh, he actually made a comment. It's interesting because some of those that move to Azure, AWS, things are coming back because people are finally getting their non in, non intro period bills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm seeing a lot of that too. The return of the on on premise servers this year. Um, I forget somebody posted the other day. He had they did an inventory of their their clients and had six people that were on 2012 server 2012 which is coming end of life. And he sent out six proposals and five of those people said, yes. Wow. So he's getting, okay. so just to let wow. you know, there is, uh, there is still hope. So, so Stefano's joining us. So just give me a second to, to pop him in the show mm -hmm. here. We'll see if we can bring him in and give me a second guys. I'm going to create a camera spot for him. Live guest, this is the first. Yes, that's why I love this. Um, now I need to... I mean, it's something, some weeks, the four of us can't turn up in the same place at the same time, so uh, this, will be really, this will be really impressive, yeah. All right, so we're going to get Stefano in here. So let's see here. Let's do... We'll put him in a circle down here. And... Put Stefano in there, so... Awesome. So let me move your camera around real quick, Stefano. So I can get you placed inside our little circle here. And there you are. You're on live with us, Stefano. So welcome. Thank you for having me guys today. Thank you. Yeah. So walk us through kind of what you're going through right now. Um, just so we can kind of get a, a good, clear picture to kind of give, we're kind of giving advice on bits and pieces of info that we have. So yeah, just tell us what you're, what you're going through right now. So absolutely. So I built a data center um, in Brockton, Massachusetts. 
So technically Brockton Mass is about like 25 minutes, 30 minutes out of Boston and never had a data center before. So when I built a data center, I had to close my office up in New Hampshire and build a data center. But really my first objective was to open more like a, uh, a playground for trainings because uh, my background is business information tech, but I'm heavily in the network engineering. So I built a data center from scratch with my bare hands, and I'm talking from running wires, um, programming every single server, Active Directory, and I'm about like 40% Windows, and I'm heavily open source, so I have about the whole 60% is Linux. So I built a data center, which is now a carrier neutral data center. I have Comcast in, I actually have a UPS, I have like the whole floor. Um, literally right now I got about like $16,000 worth of racks empty. Um, and I have actually so far about five, 10 miles of fibers and three, three to four carriers in right now. So I got Comcast in, um, they have their own rack. But really, it's not really bringing me enough revenue. I do also try to make it like a one place. So I do provide voice over IP services um, for both anybody who wanted to become like a phone provider, a voice reseller or an actual customer, as well as, you know, the rack, the collocations. And I do have like wireless antenna that I install on my roof and I start providing wireless internet in the city. Now, um, the first challenge was, I mean, I realized that I made the first mistake was trying to educate um, my surrounding about, you know, they know about the cloud, but once you mentioned data center, they don't know about it. So I realized I wasted my time trying to educate them, which didn't really um, do me too well. But right now I get to a point like I'm literally counting minutes to, to close. And even then I'm really pushing it to the extreme. Like I bought um, servers from Casilla to installed um, to provide cloud backup and recently working on my SOC 2 compliancy with entirety. So I have those two Palo Altos, you know, they monitoring. So really the thing is though, how do I um, make the data center surface even though I'm really drowning, but how can I, can I still hold on and, and keep it going? Cause I get to a point I'm, I'm exhausted. I try my best to fit all the standards requirement, like security, um, access control, all that. Yeah, it's uh, a heavy a lift to try to like do to... by yourself. So go ahead, Pete. Just a couple of questions I'd like to, to clarify there. One, uh, if you can answer, what what's the like the financial gap that you're kind of down on each month? And two, is this something that's has it been a um, a, a con consistent loss or has, have costs gone up recently and that's been the reason why this is now happening to, to you and you have to keep up with taking on new clients? Um, so when I started the center, I used all my money. It was all my money and knowledge that I put in. And then it's the fact that, you know, everything is climbing as well. And more people, it's more about also um, a marketing aspect to it because more people are used to Azure, um, um, Google, and um, AWS mostly, right? Even though I try to make it like, for example, I do a lot of bids. One of the bids that I've done was for a university and their, their primary internet service goes all the way to Markley. And their secondary goes to Rhode Island. I think that's a um, cost site in Rhode Island as well. So, um, but by building the data center closer to them, I was like, okay, it's about like the distance. I could make the distance and that comes with a price change, but it's a matter of, um, you know, showing down to them. Now, I remembered uh, earlier, you mentioned about staffing. So <clears throat> prior to before, actually during COVID, prior to COVID, when I opened, I had about like a staff of 15, but my operation guy tried to screw up the whole company. So I had to let him go. But COVID actually walked in and I was actually pretty good with COVID. Um, but, um, so yeah. What, what does that percentage of profit look like for you in your entire business right now from data center versus MSP or whatever? What, is this your only form of income right now or? That's the only, yeah, that's the only, that's the only form of income that I have. All right. So, so basically you've got all your eggs in that basket with everything. Gotcha. What What is your profit percentage right now with what you're doing on the data center side? And again, minus three. What's right that? now? Minus three zero. Minus three zeros behind it right now, as we're speaking. Gotcha. Okay. It's really like yeah. Yeah. The other thing I thought of too that um I'll I'll, I'll reach out to because I've got some angel investors. One of them that was involved with the original data center that we were part of. 
Um, that's the only thing I can think. If you want, if you want to keep the business open and keep it going, you obviously need a a cash infusion of some kind, whether that's an angel investor. Um, yeah. So th there's a lot of variables you have kind of working against you in the data center space. One of them, I know you're working for, um, you know, trying to get your SOC two and the other certifications in. That's going to uh, that's going to be a kind of a, an inhibitor trying to get a cash infusion right now from an angel investor. Um, mm -hmm. Just because there are so many variables with the data center when it comes to, you know, electrical redundancies, generator redundancies, battery like that alone by itself is a huge mm -hmm. investment. Um, so I already have I already have the electrical. Um, I did actually uh, order the generator, but with the whole supply chain being back ordered, so that ended up with still being, you know, underwater. Um, battery backup, I do have actually, I have that. Okay. So are there any clients that you can salvage out of that and, and maybe move over to someone else? Just move, relocate some gear into another data center to keep clients? Mm -hmm. um, I could do that um, with Markley. I could do that with Markley, um, just to save it. I mean, even though I have the cross connect, that um, you know, that's direct to Markley, because I did that. I tried to do that in order to make the data center like you know, a sweet spot to be among the players. Because my Markley is at one summer um, in Boston. That's actually uh, the hub for the New England, pretty much. Yeah. Um, and by having that cross connect um, to them. You know, I thought could have make me like a very interesting. Even with the Comcast um, having Comcast having their own rack in there, I thought that could have you know, hey, by break, interconnecting their customers straight to me. But that ended up not even happening, and even like, um, headed up being charged for their own equipment as we're speaking too. So, it's yeah, yeah. So I, I would say that we'll probably take that offline. Maybe you and you and I can do a follow up conversation because. I did a lot up in New England myself way back in the dot-com era, so I still have some connections in Boston, Manchester, New Hampshire, Portland, Maine. Portland might be something to look into just for sheer cost savings. Uh, okay. There is an interconnect that comes out of Boston and dumps right into uh, city center right in the middle of Portland. So your, okay. your cost for real estate and data center space might be much less than being you know, within an hour drive of Boston. So just a thought, but yeah. Well, my, main, my main concern, Andrew, was the fact that um, I already spent so much on the fiber because I have about like 10 miles fiber straight to that building. And yeah, yeah the, and the thing concern. of it is the fact you're leasing that building. Yeah, that's that's the only thing. Yeah, that you're going to run it, trying to recoup that cross on a building you don't own is going to be hard. Yes. And I think the, yeah. for me, you know, there's, there's some small data center guys local here. Um, and I'm just trying to think of some of the things they've done, you know, to diversify what they offer. Um, because I mentioned earlier on the call, like about, um, you've got the data center, you've got some great real estate, you've got good network access. Um, and maybe you're trying to sell by cabinet or by half a cabinet at a time to, to people who don't understand the benefits of a data center. But some of the ways they've managed to position themselves here is, um, you know, as your AWS and Google have such variable costs for anything that you do in there, whereas you have the opportunity to come in at them with some fixed costs and real price predictability. And that's something that works for a lot of FDs, but it's, I mean, this is all about, you know, how you're getting that message out to people. And, and I don't know how much runway you've got left, but it's, you know, part of that message has worked really well, especially with the businesses here for them to say, you know, we can fix your costs for one, two or three years. And they're getting people to sign up for those longer contracts because when they do the maths and they compare it against Azure or AWS, you can't get that predictability. And so the businesses that are investing in, in this data center here are looking at it going, well, I know what my price is. It's nice and clear. It's really obvious. The security is great. It does what I want. And so they're, they're winning business that way. But part of the other thing that they've done to kind of help that along as well is also provide their own virtual uh, machine platforms. They're using, I think, believe Virtuoso, which is a really low cost, you know, easy point of entry way to go in. They actually moved to that from Nutanix. 
um, which can be quite expensive, you know, on all the kit to get it set up. But Virtuoso has given them this really nice, very friendly front end, easy customer self-service as well if they want that side of things. So it's given them quite a powerful portfolio at a really low cost for them. And they've kind of taken that to say, let's try and expand we've got data center we've got wireless connectivity we've now got virtual machine services you've obviously already got the backup stuff sorted now it's about going out and just having that you know trying to have that conversation say hey we're, we're fixed price you're not going to get any you know bill shock from us it's about getting that message out but it's not i i know there's there's no easy fix right but it's it's thinking about how much time you've got left in there and if I, I get it. You, you've kind of got that sunk cost now. You've you've put everything in there. You've put all your heart and soul into it. It's a thing that you made. I, I I totally get it. We have to see how much runway you've got left because if there isn't enough time for you to get that revenue and get the message out and the lease is going to come up and you need to move, you're going to want to have that plan ready just in case. And I know it's not what you want to do because you put, you put your heart into it, right? You don't want to do it. So... Have we got time? Can you, can you get an investor? Can we get the message out to, to get those services and get people interested? It sounds like you just need more runway, genuinely. Well, that thing, that's actually the only resources that I'm actually lacked on because I actually tried to use Google um, and tried to reach out to a couple of investors. Like the only one that was responsive, and that's actually in New Hampshire, it's a, uh, it's like a credit union pretty much. They were responsive to it. Um, but I had to be in New Hampshire, which I was not opposing to that. Uh, but I don't think because uh, they actually have the long assumption that because I'm already in Brockton, they think Brockton is the main um, um, operation. When I try, so I have to actually try to explain to them that now I can also expand um, to New Hampshire because you know the more the more data center, the more presence I would call it pop, the more point of presence that you have it's easier for any carriers and any vendors to be there. Like I tried to use example at Netflix, for instance, yeah. with the CDN network, um, you know, but it seems like uh, with my accent, it's hard not, it's hard to even get it, so. Yeah. And that's no, just, absolutely. Oh, no, no, like, you are getting right. nodes like, you know, Netflix nodes or Akamai nodes or getting someone like the local carriers to use you as a local point of presence. Those are great ways. But you, I think you said you, you tried that with someone and now, now they're charging you for the kit. You're like, no, no, that works the other way around. I'm, I'm, I'm your hop off point. You pay me to rent the space. Um, but yeah, I think that those are all the right things. I mean, Andrew, I think you, you've got the, the best contacts maybe in the area for, investment maybe but it's it sounds like you just need more time man genuinely you, you, you're on the right path but i understand the, the pressures where you are and not wanting to give up right now i was gonna say yeah, stefano this is it's not my area of expertise but going back to i think first of all thank you for sharing so openly and there's that whole thing that i've learned that whenever i have a problem whenever i've got a challenge keeping it to yourself is not the way forward that old that old adage about a problem shared is a problem halved i would reach out to as many people as you can make contact with you know andrew's going to set you up with some uh, connections uh, i'd reach out to the folks at linode and have a conversation with them um, because sometimes it's about the serendipity of it somebody might be looking for exactly what you can offer but unless they know that it's there, you know, that's difficult. So whilst it's difficult to, to go to other people and say, actually, I've got a problem at the moment, I'd encourage you to do that. And, um, you know, thank you for, for sharing so openly with us. Wish you all the best with it, mate. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for thank jumping you. on. So much, I'm going to reach out to you on LinkedIn as well. You and I can set up a secondary call. We'll get you, we'll get you hooked up, my friend. All right. All right thank you so much. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks, man. Oh, awesome. Yeah. And it's, yeah, I hate the heartbreaker stories that and I think it's just the tough realities of business in this climate. Um, I've been through multiple recessions. I went through the dot-com era, like two hours north of where he's at. So I, I know what he's going through. I mean, we were running wireless internet services, uh, Let's see. I'm trying to think. It's they're owned by Cisco Aeronet, Cisco Aeronet. Right. Uh, before they got bought by Cisco, we were putting repeaters on cell phone towers up there to bring internet uh, to small communities. And so I know what he's going through. And when all the venture cap money dried up, everything vaporized in 90 days. 
it's um, so like, tough, isn't it? And there's going to be loads of MSPs, you know, watching or listening to this, and people, um, you know, not to put a downer on the situation, but there are people struggling out there, isn't there? But I, you know, going back to what I said, the first thing for me is to take stock truly of where you are, what's yeah. working, what isn't, because we all have a tendency, I think as human beings, me more than most, to catastrophize and actually say nothing is working. And that's rarely the situation. You know, you can look at things and if you've got those black and white figures, uh, you can say, well, this is working, this isn't working. And then even if it's not what you want to hear, what you want to see, you can then lean in to fixing the things that are not working and accentuating the things that are working. And, and basically when it boils down to it, that's what business is about. Letting go of the things that don't work uh, or fixing them and um, leaning into the things that do work. And, you know, so many MSPs will have that same challenge as well. You've got, you've got to manage by the metrics, I would say. What's that Kenny Rogers song? Got to know when to hold them. No one to follow. No one to No one to hold them. Yeah, you're on fire with the music references this week, Andrew. I'm just. I don't know. I'm just all into music this week. So anyway, yeah. So a couple more questions have come in. Uh, let me make sure. Let's go back up here. Daniel um, Raider. I hopefully I'm pronouncing that correctly. His ah, question cool. is: What are your thoughts on charging for Office 365 management? We don't add anything in the RRP license as customers in the past haven't liked that so much. Should should one charge an hour a month? Obviously, put that back up there. Obviously, depending on number of users and thoughts, please on Office 365 management. If only we had somebody on our little group who was wildly <laughs> successful at doing this, but we don't. So we'll just have to take a stab at it. What do you think, Scott? <laughs> um, no, I think I think you absolutely have to charge. Um, <clears throat> so interestingly, a lot of people get hung up on the fact that if you're a CSP provider, you have to provide support as part of that. Yeah, yeah you absolutely do, but it's up to you to define what that support is. There's a minimum requirement, but it, it is absolutely not the Office 365 management that a lot of MSPs end up doing. Um, and and when they do that, you know the 10 or 15% of margin that you're making on the RRP license isn't enough to cover the time. Um, so again, it's, it's really about communicating, I think really clearly, yes, this is the service, here's how we'll help you for adding licenses, removing licenses, and any issues where the service is not working the way it should do because of a service that's like today, for example, thank you, Microsoft, um, <laughs> then that is all covered inside the license cost. But please understand, we're just selling you the licenses. And then yeah. anything above that, is part of your managed service offering. Now, I've actually seen some um, MSPs charge around about, I'm going to say $5 to keep it simple, but $5 as a license-only user support charge. So if there's anything to do with getting their phone connected or password resets or anything like that, they have a standard set charge, just $5 per user per month that just gets added on top of that license price. And so if you just want basic support, Monday to Friday, nine till five. Um, you can make it email only if you want, but you know, essentially using the software, fine. It's five dollars. They're not doing any kind of patching, update, service packs, antivirus management. They're not managing any devices for you. But if you've got any queries, it's there. Um, you can scale that as well. I've seen some people just charge a site fee, so they might say, "Hey, you've got one head office." And we're going to charge you $250, $500 a month. Um, maybe it's, you know, depending on the number of views, exactly as you said there, Daniel, I want to say, my thing isn't scrolling. Yes, Daniel. Yeah. Um, is basically they might charge like half a day or one day of time a month of their consultancy or their engineering rate just as a retainer, again, so that you're happy to provide that support. So I'd say if you've got someone that you're just selling licenses to and you don't have a managed service contract, this is a great way actually for you to kind of evidence to them we're here we're really responsive you know we do charge for that time because there is value in it and actually as they get to know you and your team it gives you an opportunity to move up into a managed service opportunity um but also you know you get these clients where they're buying a lot of licenses from you and they have their own it guys and they just need you maybe for the licenses and maybe they're buying connectivity or some other service off you but they don't ever want to move to managed it support this is another great way to say that's cool we're happy to support you and maybe the per user cost isn't right but that site support cost where we're supporting your it team when it comes to these users and any issues we're right there for you as well yeah, great idea. 
Yeah, I think I, I would be doing that if we were. Yeah, well, I think we're gonna just, we're gonna mic drop that. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no further comment needed. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, another question that came in from Mark Barton: Is there a good social proof app to help drive visibilities and reviews? Yeah, there's there's a there's a couple that I'll sort of name drop, and there's plenty more. I can see Pete smiling and nodding because he knows some as well. Uh, so specifically for the MSP market, uh, Smileback uh, was acquired by Connectwise. I'm going to say last year, uh, but I only checked on that product yesterday, and that's still part of the Connectwise family uh, there. So Smileback, excellence for if for anybody who's watching this and saying, well, you've got that built into Connectwise Auto Task, whatever. Uh-uh. With all due respect, <laughs> like I've seen the statistics, the amount of people who click on the uh, the you know the tickets, you know the little message you get at the bottom. What did you think of this? The amount of people that click on that is absolutely negligible. So these tile uh, uh, tools like Smileback, and you've got Simple Sat. Uh, which is another great tool there. Uh, you've got uh, Customer Thermometer, uh, which is another one out there. These are tools that if, if you've been here in the UK, if you've ever been, bear with me on this one, through the uh, the toilets in an airport or a motorway service station. And as you come I, out, IKEA have, might be a more worldwide recognized uh, I, one. IKEA, there we go. Thank you, <laughs> thank you Pete. Um, people are like, what the hell are we talking about toilets for? But you come out and you'll see a little smiley face or a sad face that says, how was our toilets today? Like, yeah, whatever. Um, but that system works. People respond to a really simple feedback ne- mechanism. So tools like Smileback, SimpleSat, Customer Thermometer, they're built for MSPs. They uh, get uh, a typically rates of up to about 50% responsive rate. Uh, so you actually get really good feedback. But the real key to this, Mark, is the automation and what you do with that feedback. It's not just gathering feedback for the sake of it, it's then saying, okay, we've had great feedback, bully for us. No, no, no. What you want to be doing is reaching out to those people and saying, okay, can you give us a Google My Business review? Can you leave a you know a Facebook review? Whatever it might be. And the people who get in touch and say, oh, I'm not so happy, you want to be all over that like a rash and picking up the phone and finding out what's gone wrong. So Smileback, SimpleSat, Customer Thermometer. I'm sure, Pete, there's going to be uh, other ones out there as well, isn't there? Yeah, I, I, I was laughing because we were chatting about this yesterday, weren't we, all, all together? We were, yeah. um, I think customer thermometer for me was the only one that I came across when I was looking at it, and this was a few years ago now, but um, it was the only one where you pay per feedback. So I think you pay like 50 cent per feedback action. So it's just like, you know, you, you pay whatever your kind of cost is for 50 credits, and you're guaranteed to get 50 responses of some form for that money. So I absolutely love that kind of model because then you're only paying to actually get the responses. Um, nice. The other... Um, and, and this is kind of where you're going here is none of the PSA tools or any tools in there that have this kind of built in are really built in with um, weirdly with the MSP in mind. Um, it's it's a great kind of tick box to have, you know, a feature to have on their product, but they don't actually do anything with it. And I find that, yes, the um, if you're asking multiple questions, that's the kind of the biggest um, false kind of economy I see on on kind of CSAP surveys of, you know, here's 10 questions. Sit here and answer these 10 questions and let us know how we're doing. No one's really got time to answer 10 questions or even three. Um, so don't kind of do those things and look for these really simple, yeah, the, the three smiley face or, you know, something along those lines. There was also, um, oh, I can't remember the name of it. There's one that um, did um, like gamification behind it as well that did work quite well um, where you can kind of award people for getting so many reviews and so many smiley faces. And you can also, also like reward your colleagues for being like, extra helpful as well. But I think it's exactly what Richard said there. It's the, you want to collect the feedback, you want to action the bad feedback immediately, and you want to take the good feedback. And I always caveat this as good feedback that's had a comment because you know they like you and you know they've had time to actually leave you some more thoughtful feedback and then communicate with those people through an automation. If you're a small MSP, you can even do that manually as you see the, the, the feedback come through. And exactly like that, say, hey, love your feedback. Thank you so much. We're trying to grow our Google reviews right now. Would you mind just clicking on this link and then link them directly to your Google reviews or testimonials, um, you know, the, the feature where you can leave the feedback? Because by doing something like that, you can and you will grow your Google reviews. And we've, we've done it with a few clients as well where they do that. They set up this system and the automation in place. And within a few weeks, within a few months, they can basically call themselves the most uh, highly rated IT company in, you know, insert local area because no one else really focuses on their Google testimonials. And I know when we were chatting, 
Um, wasn't there some horrible statistic like half of them don't even bother with a Google? Interesting question. Yeah, the guys at Pronto Marketing found out that it was 50% of MSPs don't have a Google My Business place, which is mind-blowing. So, yeah. Yeah. So we got one last question that was in the queue from uh, John Harrison. He said, has, has anyone installed Starlink? I'm looking at it as a possible solution for a client in... Richard, what's the, how do you pronounce that? Rural Northumberland. You, go on, you've so got to be... I don't want to botch anybody's name. I'll be getting tomatoes <laughs> thrown up in the next week's show. <laughs> so I've never tried Starlink. I'm really intrigued uh, for anybody who has. But um, there, there is something, John, that you might want to um, uh, take a look at. Um, I've here... Uh, in Newcastle, I'm in semi-rural, so I'm in um, Northumbria, and um, I've got what's called Simrush fitted, which is 4 5G uh, connectivity. But before you sort of dismiss and go, well, there's no signal, what Simrush does is uh, it mounts the signal, and they've got a really good way of finding the local antenna that gives top quality signal. So, I mean, I've been getting like, uh, I've got a gigabit connection via Virgin, um, when it works and then i've got uh it's an 80 meg connection uh, on 4g uh with an antenna stuck to the side of my um uh, property so simrush is an alternative um um to starlink so worth looking at and the price is not too bad it, you know it's what you pay you're going to pay maybe a thousand pounds up front for an installation uh but then the actual ongoing costs are you know 20 30 pounds depending on what what uh, sort of sim contract you have there so at the moment i, I know i have seen one thing I have seen, so I remember a while ago, I was looking at that kind of situation for the house, even for a few clients, we were looking at that. And in terms of, I think consistency was the issue for us. You know, we, we actually turned up a few times of the day to do speed tests. We're like, wow, you get some really great speeds. And then we got to the stage of actually installing like the SIM card and, and finding the kind of right, right router that supports everything. And the speeds just weren't consistently like that throughout the day. And obviously if they have a, a network busy period, then things really slow down. Um, I think from what I've seen so far, and I know a few people that have tried Starlink and I think are even using Starlink, and um, it's good, speeds are pretty good and consistent, and you can pretty much take it anywhere. And you know, you can plug in a portable battery power and have internet literally anywhere, support, you know, powered by the Starlink situation. So I think nowadays, we had a few clients that would, we were looking for satellite connectivity because that was, again, the only way of get, trying to get reliable, consistent, you know, good speed broadband. But Starlink would be my, my kind of go-to um, nowadays. I think it's... Yeah, it seems to be a very, very good service. It's the, the latency, isn't it? I mean, it's way better than mm. your typical sort of satellite latency, but it's still, yeah. you know, uh, uh, not the best. Where, you know, Simrush and that, we, we found it really reliable, actually. Uh, so we're consistently getting sort of 80 meg uh, uh, connection there. So okay. again, and I guess, but I think uh, Starlink, it was like $80 a month or 80 quid a month. And it's jumped up mm. recently, hasn't it? It's about 100, 129. Oh, has it? 30, uh, yeah, I believe so. I believe so. So, yeah. Mm. But it's, um, got, it's, uh, it's like a 600, I think here in the UK, it's 600 pounds setup fee as well. Um, mm -hmm. The latency doesn't look too bad. Reports are saying 20 to 40 milliseconds, which is great to say it's near orbit. Let's be honest, it's much better than satellite was. Um, I think he's saying it's like it's way out in the middle of nowhere and did a dip. So seeing seeing a tower might be a problem. Um, we ran our, you, our, our, I just, our I just say, for a year. Um, sorry to interrupt, Scott. I would just say don't dismiss it because it's in a dip, though. Honestly, they do some yeah, incredible yeah. stuff. So, yeah. I mean, if they'll do a site things. survey, then it's definitely worth checking, isn't it? Yeah. 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 That was with the, when we were doing wireless internet up in New England. That's what it was. I wouldn't climb the cell phone tower. <clears throat> My partner actually did. I'm like, I'm not getting up there. So, anyway. <laughs> so, hopefully, that answered your question, John. Let us know how that turns out as well. Um, Matt uh, Deville actually had it said Starlink did one customer. It's viable for streaming and downloads, but slow DNS resolution and delay getting to pages. So it's kind of typical for satellite internet. So, yeah, I remember those days. Scott, I think you had commented. Somebody posted a U.S. Robotics 14.4 modem on yeah. LinkedIn today. So I was like, yeah. I remember those days well. I was going to say, let's just put slow into context, shall we? Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, John said you can come with him, Richard. Oh, he's got, got one. Oh my, he's got an acoustic me, uh, coupler. I, I got to zoom in on that. Let me. You got an acoustic on. coupler. Oh, there we nice. go. <laughs> this is this is a 
you know, for, for people listening on the podcast, I'm holding up an Atari 810 acoustic coupler. Uh, oh, sorry, an 830 <laughs> acoustic coupler from about 1982. So if you've seen the film uh, War Games with Matthew Broderick, you'll know what I'm talking about. If you haven't, you're way too young. Nice. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> you're going to be playing chess against Whopper. There we go. Look, I remember. Okay, I'm going to end the show. I don't know whether you guys have a little bit of time. Pete, do you have time to talk about your watch fetish today? <laughs> uh, I... <laughs> I need to get going soon, but um, I, I, was, I only mentioned it earlier. So I'm wearing with three watches. I'm doing a... with three watches. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, we're, tomorrow we're shooting a load of shorts, and I'm doing a battery life test. But also, I'm doing another video that's about this watch. So I'm wearing this one to shoot a video, and I'm wearing this one to shoot a video tomorrow once the batteries have both died. So yeah. Anyway, <laughs> check out Pete's YouTube channel if you want. If you're into watch fetish. Um, He'll fill you in on all the details. <laughs> He's going to get a real niche audience now. <laughs> I was I was chatting with someone earlier today about the, the, like which content's performing well, and I've put so much time and effort into you know lots of the content I, I make, and the content where I've literally spent five minutes doing really what feels to me really stupid things that why would you even do it? For example, like the Pixel Watch that I'm wearing, generally any watch only really charges with the charger that it comes with. You know, you're not going to charge an iPhone off of a Galaxy Watch charger or anything like that. But I've literally done that in my, my like, short. I've taken a mobile phone and gone, well, here are all the different chargers. Let's see which, which charger charges it. No, it doesn't work on that one. No, it doesn't work on that one. Ah, oh, magically, it works on the one that it came with. And those ones have got, like, 4 million views. I'm just <laughs> like, why? <laughs> the YouTube algorithm. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so, all right, I know you guys got a jet. So I just wanted to thank all of the folks who turned up live today. Mark Barton, Daniel Ryder, Kevin Lancaster, John McDonald, uh, obviously our good friend Stefano, Tony Edwards, Jason Slagle. Uh, hopefully I didn't miss any. John Harrison. So thank you all for showing up live today. And if you're catching this on the replay, thank you for watching. If you're catching it on the podcast, thanks for dropping your earbuds with us. So that will end this show. Uh, I, I figured we would end it with some uh, uh, watch fetish. So that's, we're going to show up in all the YouTube search terms now. Um, we're going to show up in some weird places, I think. So that will wrap it for us. We will see you all same time, same place next week. I can't believe we're, the month of January is already over. It'll be February yeah. 1st. Uh, so our February wow. broadcast. So crazy, crazy, crazy. We'll see you all next week. Take care. Be safe.